Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in on a Monday morning, June 5th. 2023. It is 6.09. We've got 61 degrees in the capital city as we start out your day. Uh, As you heard there, on our way to a high in the upper 80s once again. And it looks like we got a a dry day ahead of us today, but I think think we saw the after effects this weekend a couple of times, I might say. From the Drought Buster edition of Request Line Friday on Friday. Yeah. Uh, I think we saw just, uh, not a lot, but but just a bit. I, I had the uh, had the big dance recital this weekend for my uh, for my daughter, which is a big, big kind of Super Bowl weekend for all the prep that they do throughout the course of the year. And we went to the lead center for the dance recital and came out after the dance recital. And the streets were all wet. Everything was wet. It was mm-hmm. sunny when we went in. And... Apparently something. Apparently some rain fell while we were in there. We were in there long enough that I don't know when, how, where, or how much, but uh, I noticed that it rained while we were in there last night. So that was nice to see and a little bit of other times throughout the course of the weekend. But uh, I think it's enough to say job well done by us. We so did it. We, we did it. We did that. Yeah, we did. But uh, we, we, we did also finish the uh, the calendar year well it is arbitrary endpoints but it is uh it is june 1st of last year to may 31st of this year i saw this number which i hadn't before which is lowest ever annual precipitation on 12 12 month period that this that the city has ever seen so uh beating out like 1937 i believe by about half an inch half an inch less on that whole thing yeah so, take that 1937 yeah Gaia, Gaia, um, and so today is the bottom line on all this is today is Monday. It is the first official voluntary Sabbath of outdoor watering today. So yeah. it is the first day where Monday is the day that no matter what your house number ends in, no matter what apartment building you live in, no matter where you're at commercially, that you would be requested voluntarily not, not everybody got the memo obviously voluntarily to not be watering so you can you can uh check out those who are not choosing to voluntarily follow it wouldn't recommend harassing them or anything like that uh because it might be me i'm not sure we'll see but just a little not a lot just a little but yeah that's uh that puts a little context on on where we are. So, hope everybody had a uh, had a good weekend. Yes, mine was uh, dance dance recital filled. It was a very exciting weekend. And I think we have now come to an end in my household of the major events on a week. We are looking. We kind of do this thing at the beginning of the week, usually on Sunday, where we go through the entire week and look day by day at at what's happening. And I feel like this week now all of the school year. In addition to school itself, all of the school year activities are done in the late afternoons and the evenings. We are looking at next weekend, this coming weekend, I should say. You're like, wait, do we not? Do we really not have anything? And and sure enough, we don't. So 
It's the summertime while the living is easy, Mark, and I'm ready for it. I am here for that situation completely. Uh, request line is Friday. Uh, what did I, yes. Yeah, summertime in the... So, yeah, summertime. I, I think... That's a good song, by the way. It is. I think... I was thinking maybe since the themes are so popular again and uh, Caleb is going to be gone uh, this Thursday and Friday on a little trip... Uh, Mark, you've been on uh, some trips and have some more coming up. I'll be on my trip here a little bit. We're kind of kicking off the vacation section of LNK today with Jack and Friends. Yeah, vacation season is really going to get started this week. It sort of happens. Starts starts Thursday. Yeah, it sort of happens naturally with the the radio schedule and some of the dates that we need to be aware of for, for radio so it gets started. And so I'm thinking Request Line Friday this week is going to be vacation themed or destination themed perhaps so yes your your favorite songs about either vacationing leaving town or some kind of a destination a vacation destination just to uh just kind of set the tone for vacation season so that will be request on friday you can think about that now and get your song it's gonna be a long long time Okay. There you go. Yeah. Caleb, you won't be here to get yours in, but nonetheless, be I guess you can what you wish. sing it now. Oh, all right. We got something planned. Yeah. Don't be careful what, what you wish for. Careful what you wish for. Mark's just playing some songs. Yeah. We're just going to play music right now. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that song, Connie Francis. She spells out vacation right there you off go. the top. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Don't, that's, that's very much eligible. <laughs> That's very much eligible. So eligible. So that was the uh, that was the story of my weekend. Uh, anybody else have anything exciting happen this weekend at all? No. No. All right. We great. went to the pool. Okay. That was fun. That's good. All right. Good to hear. Got a haircut. I guess <laughs> several of them actually. All right. One or two. Very good. Glad to uh, glad to hear that. Uh, got a good show for you today. It is a Monday, and that means joining us today. Will be Tim Herza. Talk uh, the end of the legislative session with him and what the summer is going to bring uh, after all that is over, what the aftermath on that is, all the things that might be making news after the session is over about the session, and then probably most of them relating to lawsuits that have already be brought, been brought or will be brought. So we'll discuss those things with him. Uh, we have uh, Mike Schaefer joining us as well. From Nebraska 24-7, talk a little Husker sports with him. And uh, we've got that, all of the, all of that on the uh, on the docket today. So, uh, busy day here in the capital city. Uh, big news of the day is that we are going to have the new priority candidate for the chancellorship at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln on campus now. He will uh, start his official 30-day public vetting period that is required by state law and will be uh, going through meeting all kinds of people around the University of Nebraska Lincoln campus and we'll see how that goes and I think I think Mark this is kind of a kind of a don't screw it up deal right uh, uh, yeah that would essentially that would probably be you're, way you're to... probably the guy we want see if you can go 30 days without uh, screwing yeah. something major up right so that would. Uh, that By the would... way, all of these forums are available via Zoom. Zoom, that is. Okay. If you want to join, we've got the links at klin.com. All right. Yeah. Uh, we'll. Who starts today uh, at two thirty? 
this afternoon. Uh, we'll be doing that, and then uh, all bunch of forums tomorrow uh, at the Wick Alumni Cent- Center, uh, going through like different colleges. Essentially, is what it looks like. Mark from taking a look at the KLIN.com article. So fine and performing arts and architecture, engineering, uh, arts and sciences, journalism, math, communications, uh, business, and on so on and so forth throughout the course of uh, of that whole thing. So uh, we have got that, and I, I like I had uh, like I had said on Friday. I feel like I've got a I've got a new level of familiarity with the inner workings of the University of Nebraska that I never had before after basically going through enrollment and orientation last week at the University of Nebraska and got to really see for the first time since I've uh, really since I've lived here just a lot of the inner workings at the undergrad portion I went here as a grad student but undergrad is a whole new world and got to eat at the dining hall and check out what that looks like now very different than my experience in a college dining hall got to see some of the places that uh, students, including my own son, will be living very different than the living situation that I had when I was in undergrad in college, and that's probably a major understatement. Gone are the gone are the uh, dorms with no air conditioning. Uh, now I didn't go to the University of Nebraska; so they probably had air conditioning here. But gone are the dorms with no air conditioning for him. Gone are the uh, you know gone are the old group showers with. Uh, <laughs> Just a big, a big shower room and six spigots on the wall, Mark. Those are uh, those were the days. Always that's got what to, we had in high school. All in high school, yeah, or in high school. Um, always got to know your your dorm mates very closely, with the chance to enjoy a shower with them every morning. <laughs> we we didn't have that in college. You didn't? Did you not have that in college? No, we had uh, we had. Like individual uh, we, showers? We had suites, so you had two rooms with two people in a room, and then you shared a bathroom. Yeah, that's, that's what my son had. I did, yeah. You got that, too? Jeez, I'm giving him a hard time because I act like he's living the high life, but you did it, too, huh? Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yeah, no, we, uh, yep, it was community everything. <laughs> not not since the very, high school locker room. <laughs> very community, community. And in high school, and uh, now I don't know what it was like in high school for you, but, like, nobody showered in high school. Is that I don't know if that's still a thing, but even after even after some football games, a lot of people didn't shower, like actual game. But for really? sure, after practice, they didn't. They just went home. Yeah, they just went home, sweaty and gross. Um, yeah, and I'm sh- sure that's what it was. Well, I mean, my me and my son played basketball. I know they didn't shower after the games. What? Nobody does. I don't think anybody showers in high does, school. Is it just? Is it like a phobia of just being naked around other people? I don't know exactly. Maybe. I know. Cause I like, don't know. But yeah, that was, but that was, I think that was kind of the case when I was in high school too, though. Like for most of us at the very least, at the very least, like you got under the water to just get the sweat off. Like even if you didn't like go grab a bunch of soap and everything, it was for a second. You were just going to get that sweat yeah, off. Yeah, they don't, I don't think home. I'm, I'm almost sure. Yeah. I don't know that that ever happened. I guess I don't even know. Do they do it at road? I'll have to ask my son if they did it, if they showered at road games. I don't know. I don't think they did though. That sounds like a disgusting trip home. <laughs> the bus Are you ride home. Me? The bus ride home after that. Now I know we did a road get. Like I remember being at. I remember the locker room at North Platte and doing it after after long but before long bus rides we did in football after football games. But I think that was pretty much it. 
back in my day of driving, I had a few high schools that I and sporting events. Yeah, but the only ones that didn't were those that uh, maybe softball or baseball, where they uh, where they probably didn't have one. Yeah, they dressed right there. Mm-hmm. But even uh, a couple of visiting teams out here at Seacrest, they've got showers. Yeah, I, so and and those those visiting teams, they always shower. yeah. For I think football visiting teams, they still do. Oh, even baseball. Okay. Uh, you know how I know females are superior to us guys. Well, how's that? If you see, and this is at smaller schools, you'll have the 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 boys and girls games will go on on the same night. Now that's not all the time at Class A, but in the smaller classes, and they'll share a bus a lot of times on the way back. Yeah, they did that for basketball for my son. Every girl's hair is wet. You know they showered after their game. They're not the stinky ones going home. Uh, I don't know. It's a very low bar to clear on. Just don't be the stinky kids on the bus. Yeah. Again, and then I, I mean, and, and a little bit of everything we're talking about. Everything, a little thing of everything we're talking about manifests itself in the current modern day gym locker rooms too. Mike Dub is asking, did Jack go to prison instead of college? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. The dorm, I'll tell you what, those it was not fancy living. There's no doubt about. We didn't have cable TV. I know that. It was whatever what in Northwest Iowa, it was whatever you could get with rabbit ears there. So, Mark, we got a little uh, like KCAU out of Sioux City and KTIV and what was the one from Sioux Falls? It was probably like K- Kello, K E L O. Maybe Kella or I say I can't remember. There was another. Yeah, there was one in Sioux that in Sioux Falls that had a pretty strong signal that we could get. But yeah, that was no cable TV. So did you get Mason City? Probably no, not. I don't think so. It was all. It was either Sioux City or Sioux Falls. There were probably three or four, yeah. three or four stations that we got with that whole thing. Um, of course, yeah. listen, there were only three networks back then. Yeah, that's also true. Well, yeah, yeah. I had five. There was Fox was there then. They, oh. You had. You had the major one. Fox was around at that. I wasn't. I'm not that old, Mark. Come on, Fox existed then. We had we had three networks and then public television. And yeah, and then we had. I'm sure we had public television too. But we could, we could get we could barely see public television. But you it had was the, so bad. But yeah, we had the but the rabbit ears, man. The adjustment. I remember we would get like the higher end rabbit ears. Do you remember the ones that would have a little dial on it mm-hmm. that I don't know what it did exactly, but it, it would honed in our frequency. It had a dial, and you're like, you would finally get it right, and you're like, don't touch anything, right? Yeah. Do not touch anything. Leave it on that dial. Uh, if the the rabbit ear is sort of touching the little metal there by the side of the desk, don't touch it. No, and then somebody would touch it, and you'd you'd. We had an antenna on the roof with a rot, uh, rotor that oh, would re- twist the they turn the antenna around. Remember all the people who used to have those huge C band satellites in their yard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what were the what were people getting with that exactly? Well, that was uh, what was that? Was there, those people that got HBO? What was that exactly? Were they getting some kind of dish? Yeah, like yeah, like but like not like the dishes we know now, not like no. the little plastic one. No, like a big looked like it was shooting a laser into space. People would have in well, back yeah, these you know the you remember te- those at all? Caleb? Technology has come a long ways. You mean like the one that's on the west side of our building here? Yeah, probably. They're getting channels from the motherland. I always I would drive by those houses when I was a kid. I was like, what kind of great TV are they getting? I was always wondering. I was like. Are they just getting every TV channel in the world with that? There? <laughs> I still want to know what those people were actually watching and getting that that the rest of us weren't at that point. Was that pre cable? I don't even I don't even know. It was just in areas that didn't have cable access, or they okay. they liked the That's pricing of the package. That's what it was. All right.
By the way, Dealer Dave wants to know what time Trev Alberts is supposed to announce Taylor Swift playing at the Nebraska Volleyball okay. game. Okay. Today's I'm, supposed to be that day that we find out who the artist is. Oh, did the... If, uh, if, if people haven't already kind of heard. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty out there, isn't it? Yeah. I heard it. I heard it when I was on the orientation at the university campus. We had a conversation in our little tour group about who it was going to be, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, there have been rumors that there were some maybe attempts to adjust it and change it, but I don't think they did. So, yeah, I think you'll uh, just say this. There'll be some people who'll be excited about it. There'll be some people who say, um, I'm not totally sure who that is. And there will be some people who say, okay, great. I'm going for the volleyball game. I probably will mm-hmm. call it good after that. Is it Ozzy Osbourne? <laughs> yep, that's Ozzy Osbourne. That would have been, actually, that would have been good. To, to get Tom and Ozzy on the same stage would have been a nice moment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I can, conf- that much I will confirm. It's not Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, all right, there you go. Is that a guarantee? Yes, I will guarantee it is not Ozzy Osbourne. Won't you be yes. red-faced if it is? I will. I, <laughs> I will guarantee that much. All right, we'll take a break. It's 620. Oh, yeah, the humidity's back, too, today, guys. Yay. Been a while since we had felt a lot of that, but the last few days it's been back. 625, it's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Why do you listen to KLIN? Let us know with a voice message in the free KLIN app. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. All right, welcome back. Glad to have you with us. 636, 61 degrees in the capital city. Monday morning, June 5th, 2023. And uh, yeah, it is time to jump into our sound off today. A lot of, got a lot to get to. Yeah. Oh, the 2024. Yeah, 2024 candidates are going to be coming out of the woodwork this week, guys. We got a bunch of them coming this week. They're all people that you already probably considered candidates for the most part, but they are going to be, uh, they're going to be definitely coming out of coming out of uh the woodwork with with uh a lot of and Iowa is so busy right now. Holy cow, they're they're everywhere right now in Iowa. Um so we'll start with this. Now, we've already we've already heard, you know, Pence is uh I think this week doing his announcement. Christie, I think this week is doing his announcement. Mm-hmm. But do you know do you know who Burgum is? <laughs> I say the last name Burgum, candidate Burgum. What do you know about this person? Anything? Not a thing. Anything? If you are following now, kudos to those of you who have been following political circles nationally for a long time, and you do know who it is. But luckily, I'm here to tell you who this is because he's going to try and become your next president. Uh, likely starting this week. North Dakota's Governor Doug Burgum likes to highlight a growing number of young families who've moved to his state and that they rank second in energy production per capita. He got a business degree at Stanford where he met Steve Ballmer in the early 80s. Burgum borrowed money against his family farm to invest in a software company that he built up in Fargo. He went on to sell that company for over a billion dollars to Microsoft. Burgum was re-elected governor in 2020, beating the Democrat by 40 points. As for the kind of candidate he'll be, he says cultural issues can be handled by states, school boards, and city commissions. He wants to focus on the economy, energy policy, and national security. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Huh. Okay. I'm listening. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Yeah. Born 1956, so he is 66 years old. So a young one, obviously. A little whippersnapper there. Surprised he was even uh, eligible to get into this race. Running for president. Uh, Yes, obviously Republican, born and raised in Arthur, North Dakota. Um, And so there you go. Made one point. So he, he builds this software company in North Dakota. After, as she she had talked about the uh, uh, mortgaging the inherited farmland that he had, builds up this thing called Great Plains Software. Company's president in 1984, uh, builds this thing up. And so, what, 27 years later in 2001, he sells it to Microsoft for $1.1 billion. And he then manages uh, Microsoft. So he goes on to work with Microsoft, manages Microsoft Business solutions and then after all that 2016 he's like time to get into politics so he does that in 2016 that's the story of the uh, businessman jumping into politics in 2016 that wasn't told quite as much uh but got into the gubernatorial election with zero political experience beats the attorney general and the republican endorsed candidate at that point in the primary election crushes the democrat because it's north dakota at that point and then reelected by a wide margin in 2020 so he's uh he's had some success i don't know is this a thing maybe is this the is this the unknown candidate that we didn't know we needed here in the republican primary i don't know i have no idea you you got to get a lot of factions re- taking on re- trump is what yeah and well again can you build up zero can you can you go from zero name recognition to winning the winning a primary? Um, that that's a question. And I mean, like you look through the primaries, and 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 especially in the the Republican Party, like look through, and you know, obviously, okay, twenty sixteen, Donald Trump had incredible name recognition. Yeah, maybe the best name recognition of any like non sitting president that you could have possibly had. Mitt Romney gets it in 2012. Huh? Huh? Maybe. Was was that that uh, Newt Gingrich? He was up against Newt Gingrich, Rick Santorum. Remember 2012? Do you guys remember the 2012 primary? I barely do. Ron Paul. Those are the 2012 people, and Romney came out of that one. I'm not sure. He probably had a little better name recognition than this. North Dakota governor going into that whole thing. Yeah. Um, but 2012 he had run, like a... and Romney had run in 08 too. So right. he had the, it's the second time around is, is sort of when it benefits some of them in retrospect, 2012 feels like a, a weak field for, for the GOP. Yeah. Yeah. 20. And obviously you, you they, could... they ended up losing the, the, the general election. Right. Yeah. You could, you could argue that go back to 2008, John McCain, he had a lot of name recognition. Yeah. He had run a couple of times, I think, um, or had flirted with running, and obviously was was in the Senate at that point. So he won, but that was the year Rudy, Rudy Giuliani was the was the front runner at the very beginning, mm-hmm. um, and Romney was a part of that. Mike Huckabee was a part of that as well. Just kind of going back and see how those goes, uh, and then oh four was George W. Bush two thousand. 
See, I lived in Washington, D.C. when this was all starting in, in 2000. I remember this. McCain was Oh, that a was a that. fun time to be in D.C. Yeah, I was in D.C. then. So it was when George W. Bush, he kind of came in as the favorite. Steve Forbes was in on that thing. John McCain was, you know, maybe the biggest competition out there at that point. Uh, but George W. Bush in that one. And then if you want to keep going back for fun, uh, Bob Dole in 1996 Going up against Steve Forbes was big in that one, talking about his flat tax. Pat Buchanan, uh, Pat Buchanan was kind of a mainstay in these elections for a while as well. Bob Dole, he, he had big, but he had pretty big name recognition then too. At that point, when he ran, was it ninety six so. or two thousand that Trump had flirted with a run and, and then I think and potentially he did, a third party? Well, he did in twenty twelve, but he did also, yeah, back in. One of those years. Yeah. Even further back. Like, I didn't even remember that one. Now I remember him talking about it in 2012, and that oh. was when the, the birtherism thing was kind of a big thing with right. Obama. But yeah, he did actually float, sort of float the idea. I watched a documentary on that, and I had kind of forgotten about it, but I don't remember if it was... Well, I, I'm, 90- I'm also thinking it was, it was like the Roger Stone documentary. Maybe it? that's where I... Uh, maybe that was the documentary that I saw. I think it was 96 or 2000, but yeah. I can't remember for sure. But it never got, it never got, it, people definitely thought that was a publicity stunt. And it might have been oh, at the time. Right. 100%. But not when he came down the escalator. Not when he came down the escalator in 2016. So remember John Kasich? Man, I'm reading through all yeah. these, na- I'm reading through all these names and I'm completely forgetting. Forgetting the people who were running at that time. So, anyway, I'm not sure what that tells you about the chances of this North Dakota guy for being the one. But it, it is it is continually fast, a little fascinating to me to think about. We've talked about this a bunch of times. Who emerges? Uh, Trump's going to be there, but who emerges? If it's not DeSantis, will it be DeSantis? And if it's not DeSantis, who is the most likely to kind of emerge as? As you go down the stretch, the the one A to Trump's one, and the the biggest shot of uh, who who do people coalesce around if they aren't going to vote for Trump, and or or do enough of them coalesce around anyone, or is it just or is it just Trump a blowout from, from the get go? Yeah, that's true. It could be a just a complete blowout from the get go. I don't know if I don't know if any of these because because you know Romney and and. Uh, and McCain were really in it down the stretch. It was, it was probably, it, it was Romney won most of Super Tuesday. Um, you know, Santorum was probably the at the end, kind of the closest to him there, if I recall. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, is it? I mean, so, so now you got what? Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, uh, Vic, Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm sorry if I didn't say the name exactly right there. Um, Doug Burgum now North North Dakota Chris Christie Mike Pence um and I'm probably forgetting I'm probably forgetting some people too on that list perhaps but those are kind of the the big ones there Have you ever had a former president and former vice president who were part of the same administration that's a good in the question. same primary uh, That's a good question not in my lifetime <laughs> Not in my lifetime. In the time, some of our be- longer-term historians might be able to answer that better than than I can. But yeah, I don't. Because you would well, have, uh, you mean you would have had to have someone lose a you re-election. Mean people who were, you mean, yeah. Well, first of all, you'd have had to have had a former president running again. Uh huh. Um, 
And the the only scenario would be if they switch vice presidential candidates and then the vice president mm-hmm. himself at the time would have decided to run. So I presume not, but there might be a historian out there who can go back and say, wait, this actually did did happen. This is a project point. for that, Paul. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he can he can work on that. Uh, all right, what else do we have this morning? Oh, continued news on Congress's work and discussions about keeping AM radio in your cars. Plans Ooh. to uh, plans by some automakers to move away from AM radios within the car, and Congress is looking at taking some action on this. As car makers consider doing away with AM radio capability in vehicles, Congress is hearing concerns and thinking of legislation to keep the frequencies available. The House Commerce Committee holds a hearing tomorrow on the importance of AM radio. Democrat Frank Pallone says AM radio plays an essential role, especially during emergencies. Republicans have raised concerns. Without AM radio, Americans could lose access to conservative talk formats. The Senate Judiciary Committee Committee, meantime, focuses this week on potential regulations for artificial intelligence technology related specifically to patents, innovation, and competition. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News. Caleb, I know you probably don't have any way of knowing this for sure, but do you even have a sense, like for for our show, what percentage of listeners are listening on over-the-air radio and what percent are doing some kind of streaming either through our app or another online it's not a hunt we don't have like a 100 percent. we can see a sense of it so here's the thing is we can see the exact numbers that we have on streaming because you're able to pull pull that up and see how many people you have on um with the over the air numbers it comes down to it's so arbitrary and it's never exact but it's the books that get released and twice a year there are survey ratings basically but the rating survey so even that that's not exact there is all other than just if every single person texted in right now and said i'm listening on am versus streaming versus fm that'd be the only real you know what that might be a good uh poll of the week on uh how do you how do you listen to klin Yeah, just we'll make that the poll. Given that that's the the question right now, um, that AM radio itself is in 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 question right now. Because I switch back and forth. To be honest, I will I will do both. But the biggest thing that changed, Caleb, for me, Mm -hmm. was when I got was when I got the um, the Amazon Alexa in my car. That was by far the biggest change because at that when I was able to do that. I was able to just you, you like it sounds lazy, but yeah. I was able to just use my voice. Yeah. Essentially. And there were some non radio things that I would listen to on that. And so I got used to that being my main way. And we've got a good you know, we've got a good easy Alexa app to listen to our station. And so it's really simple. It's mm-hmm. not that much I mean, it's not, not that much difficult than punching around on buttons to do that. And so if I've started doing that more and more now because of that. But prior to that, when I'm driving, at least, when I'm driving, at least, I don't want to fiddle with my phone and turn that on. But I'm curious if people do, like if there's a reason that they would do that. I still assume that the mo- most of the people who are driving listen over the air. And I would say that most of the people probably who are listening outside of their car are streaming, Right. I'm I'm going to guess that's probably how it breaks down. But that would be interesting to 
to see with this whole thing. And then, you know, speaking of things like having smart devices in your car, um, we think about our phones, uh, our computers, our browser history, uh, it, spying on us, essentially, and knowing all of these things about us. But what about your car itself? And what can you do about that if you're concerned about it? The average new vehicle now equipped with 1,400 microchips for things like GPS, Apple CarPlay, and other gadgets. Cars are massive data collection devices, not any different than your laptop that we're on today or, you know, your phone. Andrea Amico, the founder of Privacy for Cars, which deletes data from vehicles, including phone books and passwords, financial info, garage codes, and where you've been, just to name a few. The company's recently launched VehiclePrivacyReport.com, where you can enter your vehicle's VIN number and see the list of data collected and potentially shared with the automaker and third-party vendors. Jeff Monaco. So, Fox News. Do you get this? I uh, I, I got to hand it to people who are really who uh, really work to make sure that they are getting the privacy that they want and need, and that we probably all want and need. Mm-hmm. But Caleb, it feels it feels impossible. Like it feels it probably isn't, but it feels like it takes so much effort. To really do all of the best things to keep, you know, get whatever software that you need on your computer and your phone and use the right browser and do all, have all these settings, go into your app settings on your phone and change them all with what's happening. Like there's a, there is a definitely a part, at least of me and probably above others that says, you know, I feel, and, and I feel like even if I do do all these things, there's probably something that's going to slip through the cracks. Yeah, something somewhere. And it's it's almost like you just you get to a point where you're just like, well, whatever. That it's gonna it's inevitable at this point, and I can't stop it. Um, There's just about the only way to to have 100 percent privacy is to disconnect everything and go live in a cabin in the woods. Yeah, probably because it was always funny when. The like going back to the the smart devices like the Amazon Echoes and so forth, and and people were like, "Do you realize those things could be listening to you?" And 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 I would always say, "Well, yeah, but so could your phone, mm-hmm. right? So could your computer. Everything it's you're no, I mean, it's not. You. It's not the that is not the first technological device with uh-huh. a mic on it. Yeah, that is connected to the internet." I always thought that was odd. Like that was the line that people drew. And I'm like, fo- you've got a phone right with you that's got a mic on it. it what's the, why is that any less of a concern? And I think I've just fully accepted that those mics are trying to, at the very least, pick up on keywords. At the very least, maybe they're not listening to a full conversation what? to try to, but at the very least, they're trying to listen to see kayak okay well now all of your google ads are going to show up on kayaks yeah so you've you've had this happen to you yeah this happens multiple times where it'll be i've never searched for something Mm. or my wife had never searched for something but we talked about it in our living room or our porch and well our phones were near us or our smart devices were near us and then what happens as soon as you open up a browser those are the ads that start showing up I think the funniest thing to me is when you do actually buy something online, then so you bought the things, so you don't need it anymore, and then for the next month, the ads will show up for the thing that you just bought. You're like... In case you want another one. Like, I feel like you're very smart. The things you're able to do are pretty amazing, but I feel like you should know I've moved on to other things now, 
and I don't need that item that I just bought. Right. What it should be is, let's say it was a grill. You bought a grill. Right. You got a new, black, got a new yeah. Blackstone. It should be accessories. Yeah, 100%. It, it should be cook. It should it should be the cooking equipment. We should be in it, this it business. It should be recipes. You need yeah. to take it that step further, not the thing that they just bought. Yeah. Yeah. That's the ticket. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I got a couple more if we have time today. Yep. Today is the big speaking of technology. Today is the uh, Apple nerd out day for all the developers when they get together and they go into the the uh, auditorium in Cupertino and and they say, hey, here are all the new features of the next uh, the next Apple whatever. And then it's usually just talking about how good the camera is and not a whole lot more that matters to you. But nonetheless, that's coming up today. Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, or WWDC, is today at Apple Park in Cupertino, California, the company's headquarters. There are invited guests, but much of the world will watch via live stream. Apple is expected to unveil new versions of its various operating systems like iOS and iPadOS 17, macOS 14, and others. But also expected is the unveiling of the 15-inch MacBook Air and the long-awaited Apple headset for both virtual and augmented reality. The event begins at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Evan Brown, Fox News. Is the virtual reality... The virtual reality thing is a flop again for the second time, right? This was like a big deal for a while in the 90s, and then Facebook went all in on it, changed their thing to meta. This is not this is not the thing that we thought it was going to be, at least so far at this point. Not yet. It, is, I, it I, is the Google Glass of Versus. Oh, Google Glass was so bad. It's uh, There's nobody... I have never even... I have never... First of all, I don't think... I'm sure people I know have done it, but I don't think I've ever had a conversation with anybody who's done it. Have you? No. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Me neither. I will say at least the virtual reality now is better than the the blocks that were the virtual reality of the 90s. Yeah. Uh, but not much is part of the thing. I mean, it's a yeah, little you bit. You would have thought with, with, all, with how much the graphics for everything else have advanced over the last 25 years. Right. Yeah. This could have gone in that same way. Um, do we have one more? Or we got to yeah, go? sneak one more. All right, one more. This, this is fun for you dog owners. Um, world record Guinness Book of World Records for a dog, but maybe not for what you uh, would think it uh, think it would be for. It's the canine version of Gene Simmons. A Louisiana dog's five-inch tongue has been officially certified as the longest in the world by Guinness World Records. Zoe, a Labrador-German Shepherd mix, was awarded the record after a veterinarian measured from the tip of her snout to the tip of her tongue. Zoe's owners, Metairie residents Sadie and Drew Williams, say they got her when she was only six weeks old and noticed her unusually long tongue immediately. The couple adds Zoe is popular with their neighbors. Tom Rigotti, Fox News. What's that mean? Be weirder. That sounds just like uncomfortable to fit in your mouth. Maybe it's got a lot. Five inches. It actually doesn't even sound that long either, does it? <laughs> All right, I got to go. It's 6.58. It's LNK today with Jack and Frenzy on KLIF. When live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. 
712 Ellen K today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Uh, now you got us thinking about this and, and, and talking about it. And it's one we've been having behind the scenes a ton. In not only here, but I think in media companies all over the all over not only the community, but the, the country as well. We delve into this stuff in radio all the time. And so I'm interested to sort of take the conversation right to you all a little bit. I want I want you guys to text in with any kind of kind of thoughts and sort of just like some self-reporting anecdotally on how your media uh, consuming habits have changed. And I'm not so much talking about content. I mean, not, uh, well, I've gone to this national show instead of this because I like what they're saying better. I'm not necessarily asking that. I think I'm more asking about how and when you listen or watch. And and, and this might be this might be TV video related. This might be radio uh slash podcast uh, slash music as well but like i i I would be really curious from you guys if you want to kind of just think think this uh, text in like when you do you listen okay for instance let me ask this if you're somebody who listens to both whether it be radio podcasts do you listen to talk content and music content through the same medium mm-hmm. for instance are you are you still or does it change when you're in your car versus when you're at home mm-hmm. uh, I wonder about those things when you do when you do stream things okay are you doing them like audio wise are you are you doing it all through the same app right like so you, so let's say you listen to LNK today with Jack and friends podcasts and you listen to maybe other po- are you doing them all on Spotify? Do you have a do you do it through that? Do you do it through Apple Pod cuz I'll mix and match with podcasts for whatever reason I'll mix and match between Apple and Spotify. Oh, and really? I, don't, I don't even quite know why I do it exactly. Okay, so like what do you use if you're listening to a podcast? What are you going to listen to? Spotify. You're going to always listen to Spotify. Spotify like 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I'll I'll use Apple's too. Um, and I don't know why exactly. Is it? Just, I think the organization is. I like the organization a little bit better on the app. Is why is it right. keeps me better. I can see like the visual, mm-hmm. what I've got, what's newest, and those sorts of things. And I. But think, if there's one that I listen to every single time, I probably will go to Spotify. And I think for some people it might be what app did you discover it on, and now you're just used to okay when well, I'm going to listen to X app. Right. Or I'm going to listen to whatever podcast I pull up Apple Podcasts right. instead of Spotify or Pandora right. or whatever. And then, and then for me, and I'm curious what you guys are. For me, if I'm streaming KLIN, for instance, I am all. If I'm by the ideal situation is always if I'm by a smart device. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm by we and I've got Amazon. Um, I've got for me. I've got the Amazon ones. I've got a few of them in my house. I've got one in my car. That's my preferred way always. Now, you're not always buy one of those, and so I will go through the app sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, when I can get the app That's to work. not my favorite, though. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather... I, I, think the, I, think the be- I think the Amazon works the best by far. It does. Out of any of them um, for that thing. But what do you guys do? Like, what have you... And how has it changed maybe from a few years ago, three, five years ago, to, to where you are now. You said we had one text in on uh, this. Wildcat Martin, he was talking about specifically listening to to KLIN in our show. 
um, said that he does both. He streams while he's in the office. When he's driving, it's over the air. I th- and I, I'm going to guess that's still the most common mm-hmm. situation because I would if I didn't have the the voice controlled device, I would 100 percent only listen if it was something I could. Now it's a little different if it's something where you're not getting a good signal, right? Or let's say I'm listening to, you know, I'm driving. There have been times when I've been driving to Iowa. Go visit my in-laws, and we get, you know, we get into Omaha, and I start not to be able to hear anymore, and I'll switch over mm-hmm. just to the app at that point, um, or through if, when I had my Amazon, I would do that. But otherwise, yeah, I I think that's probably the case. But I like, do people have radios? This is a, a, an actual question I've got. Do people have radios like in there if they listen when they're getting ready? We don't have. Do a they ra- have a radio? We don't have a radio in our apartment. Okay. We, we, See, we, have we don't one. have an over-the-air radio, so if there's any listening that goes on in like in our apartment, I'm either playing it through my phone or I'm playing it through the smart smart device. We so we actually have we do have a radio in our bathroom, in our like master bathroom that. Uh, and again, I'm not listening to radio when I get ready in the morning, but but my wife, I know that's when she listens to the show or if she changes the channel because she doesn't like hearing me, uh, she's listening on that and usually not streaming. So, I, And again, it probably depends on age and generation a little bit, too. Right. Uh, we got guess. a few texts have come in right, here. What do we got? Here. I'm curious to hear from people. Uh, if, you, if you haven't and you would like to, uh, to let us know how you guys listen. We're doing a little unofficial market research here, but it is really interesting because I think about this for myself, too. 402-479-1400. Dealer Dave says, I stream your show every morning on the TuneIn app. Found the KLIN app a little buggy sometimes. However, my vintage Radio Shack AM FM shortwave that sits above the toilet has never let me down. So that's so I assume that's like uh, when you're getting ready in the morning. You have it on when you're showering and getting getting it ready in the morning. That's the other thing is if you don't have like a blue. My, my wife will do this when she listens to stuff when she's getting ready. She listens and it drives me nuts. She listens to stuff just on her phone, right? Just like just the speaker. No, just like she'll set it. Set it uh-huh. on the bathroom counter while she gets ready, and she listens to music or other things on the phone. Okay. And I've, like, set up our house to have speakers, speakers everywhere. available everywhere. It's one of my passions. <laughs> and she almost always only listens on her phone. And it's not loud enough in the bathroom, usually. Right. To get over all of the various sounds that are going on in the bathroom. <laughs> like, I've got to... Just to have it there. There are speakers available everywhere, and it's always <laughs> just on the phone. It always makes me so sad. I've created this beautiful sound environment <laughs> what for you our thought. family to live in. Well, you thought and you I'm created. The only, and I feel like I'm the only one who uses it ever. Because my kids only use earbuds. <laughs> so, they, yeah, they're not trying to share their music yeah, with anyone. That's the other thing. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing, too. Or are you using earbuds a ton for this kind of stuff? What else do we have on Chris the Chris Olathe, obviously, being in Kansas. Yeah. I, listen to, I listen to KLIN on the app. Almost everything else, though, is XM. So satellite. Oh, satellite. That's competitor obviously to to over the air radio that was that's been a dirty word in the radio industry for a while too in the over the air radio mm-hmm. industry well i mean i'd be completely be- honest if i'm in my car i'm flipping between a couple of the xm stations that i like or klin mm-hmm. yeah. like that that's just what it is I mean, it, it's an it's an option that's out there but guess what over the air radio See, people are listening to it too i am all over the place but it, it completely depends what my like if it's music i will go Every, you know, every, like, 
I love the bone here across the hall from uh, like that's probably my favorite. The, the bone is my, my favorite, favorite music station we have here in yeah, town. Yeah, it's probably my favorite music station. Other that, than us on Fridays, that Lincoln's had in years. Mm-hmm. It's probably my favorite music station. It's final. I feel like my generation has been got lost out in the whole music radio genres. This has finally hit it, and Steve's done a great job uh, with that station. So well, I'll, it even starts I'll go to, to that a lot. If I can't figure out what specifically what I want to hear, like I want to pull something up on demand on Spotify or something. I'll go to that usually mm-hmm. because it's yeah it's and and so if there's the right station I'll do it do it that way too right um, a few more here but I won't ever listen to that online which is interesting I would never think about that's doing right that. I I ooh interesting very interesting I because I've never even thought about where if I listen to KLI and I turn that online <laughs> yeah no weird wow that that is interesting yeah um, Quinn says I use the uh, KLI website at home or stream it. Via Alexa, and when I'm in the car, it will be AM. Recently, don't follow a lot of national news unless I hear something on 1400 that's interesting or I want to know more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, a lot of texts have come in. This uh, is good. This is good for, I mean, it's it's good for us to understand for all of you, but it really does go into this question that the government's wrestling with, with which how do you deal with AM radio? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll try to go through these. Gene says Spotify podcast app is way better than Apple. Apple's podcast app has become progressively worse. Mm. I use TuneIn to stream KLIN or AM radio. Panhandle Steve says got the clock radio in the bathroom. Marie. Interesting. I don't have a clock radio in my house, I don't think, anymore. At work, KLIN app in the car. It's KLIN on the radio in Sirius XM or listening to CDs. Whoa! That I don't do. <laughs> Holy cow. I applaud that, listening to CDs. But if you don't have a you know a premium music on-demand service, you, you've got that. But that's the other thing, though. I've started buying vinyl to listen to whole albums again. Can you do is, that in your car? No, not, not in the car. <laughs> but at home, that's... That's as much of an option as anything now as I'll I'll put on vinyl sometimes. The only problem is you have to get up and turn it over. Right. Uh, Brad and Fox Hollow, I listen to the show on my radio at home. I'm in the office twice a week, and then we'll stream then. Uh, if it's music, it's XM. Okay, interesting. Scott, not Molly. Talk radio is AM in the car, streaming at home, all music yep. on Spotify. Interesting. Interesting. Number one, Debbie. This is fascinating. Number one, Debbie says the only way I can listen is on my iPad. Yeah, she said she was. Ta- she talked sometimes mm-hmm. about some of the the technical issues, which we, if you have those, let us know. We'll we'll try and help and figure out. I mean, listen, we get, uh, the app sometimes is can be glitchier. You got to do some things. You got to do some things to get it right sometimes. So if you we can ever help with that, let us know. I talked to one lady. She, she said I can't get the app to work, and I showed her mm-hmm. what was going wrong with it, and it worked fine after that too. Perfect. It was just a button that you push. So Southern Snow says, "Listen on smart device at home. AM when driving, the signal's good. The app when the signal doesn't quite get there." Huh? Okay. Marsha, I have a clock radio when I use or which I use as an alarm, so I listen to KLIN when I wake up. I listen by Alexa while eating breakfast and by radio in my car. Yeah, so my, see, there's all the different I, I ways think, to get it. But us. I think my general my general thought in, is that in the car you're more likely doing over the air, right? Mm-hmm. Not in the car you're not for sure, but you're more likely doing it streaming in some way, right? Either through a phone or through a a smart device for the most part. Now it's not across the board, but that's kind of what I'm. 
that's kind of what's been borne out with this whole thing. Stephanie says, KLIN, in the car, over the air, otherwise it's 100% app. Music is over the air in the uh, car, everywhere else it's Amazon Music with my own playlist. Podcast is Audible and Amazon Music. Lots and lots of audiobooks on my phone. Oh, audiobooks, yeah. Almost always have to have my earbuds in at home. At work, it's Sirius XM only computer or Amazon Music or Audible. See, people are all over the place. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. I, it kind of goes back to one question too, Caleb, is what do you use an alarm, as an alarm now? You, we've got some people who still have clock radio, but mm-hmm. I've been phone only since five years at least. I've been... That's, I only use my phone as an alarm. I've been phone only for probably for the last three years um, since my now wife moved to Lincoln. Before that, I was actually using my uh, my smart device. I just told it to set an alarm for whatever time. Oh, yeah. Uh, but now I know I can have my phone closer to my head. Yep. And so it wakes me up, but not necessarily her. I'm straight phone for, yeah, for alarms in the morning mm-hmm. all the time. And that's uh, that's been that way for quite a while. It's fascinating. It really is interesting. Keep texting these in um, and just like... Yeah, like what, what uh, how how it's changed, and what's important, what you want the industry to know. I think mm-hmm. as well, just you know, not necessarily in terms of individual thoughts about shows and those sorts of things, but accessing them and what the best way to do it is. Because mm-hmm. it's a big question for the industry. There's no doubt about it. You can see it all with these discussions that are going around with cars and AM radios. Yeah. And, at some look, I think I think the industry gets it that the the tower doesn't mean the same thing that it did twenty years ago, but it still means something. But how long will it mean something? That's an interesting question in the whole thing. All right, someone's also th- listening on one zero seven three HD three. Good, I was hoping so. It's our boss. That's available. Okay. <laughs> That's of it. Don't forget, you can get us on HD. You can get and on FM for that matter. And on FM, yeah, HD and FM. Yeah, it was. That'd be another interesting question: Is how, are, are there people who listen a lot on? OG Steven was the only one to to say if he can't get it on AM, he he get, tries FM sometimes, but the range is. Low. Yeah, the range isn't quite as good. We admittedly with the the FM, but it sounds better, especially on Request Line Friday. All right, seven twenty six. We'll take a break. It's LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Let Lincoln know if your organization or business is impacted by the latest severe weather. Go under the closings tab and sign up at KLIN.com. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is The Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, let's count things down today. By the way, thank you for all your texts. This has been, we're st- we're st- we talked about it the entire time off air, just the, the changing ways we consume media the devices we use don't use when we use them uh continue to text in i'm just just legitimately curious and to see how much it matches up with caleb and i are a little bit different a little bit the same on some of this as well i'm like a lot of you too i really um, like but, russ and adams making the whole family listen to the morning show throughout the house he says he puts it on through a sonos system yeah which i have one of those too uh, I do that sometimes to put on some annoying stuff for everybody to listen to. Not that our show's annoying, no. <laughs> Number five. University of Nebraska-Lincoln faculty, staff, students, stakeholders, and the public will have the opportunity to meet Dr. Rodney Bennett, 
Party candidate for chancellor beginning today. You can ask questions, hear about his leadership vision, uh, open forum scheduled all week. We've got that forum schedule and the links to Zoom if you'd like to participate or watch. Got it posted at KLIN.com. What do you think the biggest issues are going to be with the, you know, with the questioning when a new chancellor comes in? That's like within the university, and and I probably am not the best person to sort of identify what those are right now. But if you've got especially the university community and the stakeholders around the university community asking questions to determine if this is the guy that they want to go forward with, I wonder where most of that will focus on. Will it focus on, you know, the things that we feel like, you know, it feels like we've heard a ton in in last few years with higher education having to do with you know culture war type issues you know the, back to the critical race theory all all of that is that going to be a big thing in these discussion uh is it going to be you know things about the cost of going to college tuition issues and you know i don't know how much the chancellor does or doesn't play into that sort of thing is it going to be adapting the college curriculum to a completely changing economy and what the vision for that is because that's fascinating to me right mm-hmm. is like hey ai just general changing of the economy as well what's your vision of what this place looks like and specializes in teaching people 10 years from right now and then maybe the other thing too is just where do you see the university of nebraska being you know how are you going to distinguish yourself? How's the University of Nebraska going to distinguish itself in the future from other competitive options for students to go to? Um, you know, what is what is that thing really going to be? What are going to be the, the things that draw people into the University of Nebraska better than other competitive universities as well? And how he sees that. And how they're going to interact with uh, business and, and uh, in the state. I'm going to use that in a broad, very broad term, so that we can keep in and develop a a, a workforce that uh, we need a lot of help on in this state. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point too. You know? Yeah, just having a symbiotic relationship. Yes. With with business in the state, especially on workforce issues, and and as well the other one that the, I don't think we ever really realize how deep the University of Nebraska Lincoln is in various aspects of research. Yeah. Um, a lot in in agriculture, but also in national defense. Uh, there's a story that uh, I saw uh, on the university's website about their um, computer science and and uh, some of the stuff that they've been able to do over there. I think there's five or eight students basically rewrote the customer uh, process for Allo Communications. Yes, and and, and took uh, something like 20 minutes uh, average time off of each call wow. in, in paperwork and stuff across the Atlas system. I mean, those are, are real, um, you know, tangible things that the university brings to the state and to the educational uh, um, criteria yeah. and the, the climate in, in the state. And I think you've got a generation of both potential undergrad college students and parents who are generally more wary of getting into extensive debt than previous generations were and are weighing that more heavily when they decide what they're going to do post high school and you've got to be competitive i mean it's about being competitive in that world like i said when it comes to price and then competitive in that world too when it comes to 
what you're offering as opposed to, you know, as opposed to the alternative. Where it's balancing the price and amenities. Make it like I get done in four years and I've got a diploma. I've got X amount of debt. What are my opportunities going to be as compared to mm-hmm. not going, you know, not going and getting that four year degree or going somewhere else and getting a, 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 a different degree, a, a degree at a, you know, SEC or something like that. And I know they do a great job working together yeah. on things as well, but I think that's becoming. Probably about 10, 12 years ago, you really started to hear a push for that. Like, you know, our kids, more more and more kids, more more people are going to really consider just not going through this traditional university route that people assumed. I think that's even bigger now well, in we, people's we, minds. We see it in other uh, levels of education. Look at what LPS has done in cooperation with SCC with, uh, yes. with their I'm drawing a career, blank, academy. career academy. Uh, LPS has teamed up with several businesses and, and institutions in the city. Uh, they've got the uh, healthcare uh, program going out at Northwest now, uh, cooperation with Bryan Medical. Duncan Aviation has that program at North Star. There's a, a, a business uh, focus, I believe, going in at Standing Bear. So, yeah. uh, can those types of relationships with other educational systems? also be worked into uh, the the curriculum or the the courses for those that don't necessarily want a full four-year undergraduate degree but some type of additional education besides a, a two-year i know we got to move on but i had i know i keep telling stories from this last week that i had where my son went through orientation and, and enrollment and stuff but i talked to uh and, pro- and you probably include our own Mac mcmaster in this group too but I talked to two or three undergrads this week who are like giving us tour and the ambassadors, and they we just got lined up with people who are from out of state. Our tour guide was from California, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, why in the heck did you come here? Right, like what? what? And he and I had this, and multiple people said this, and I don't, I haven't been on a ton of college campuses, and said basically I just I got here and I loved it. I got and he said, you know, I'm from from Southern California, and and a lot of the the other universities kind of lead up to these areas with that are are kind of downtown downtown areas, kind of like the Haymarket. He's like, I love the Haymarket, mm-hmm. and, and I heard a few people say like, I just loved being on campus when I got there, which was not that I thought people hated. It. I was just a little surprised yeah. that it was that impactful to at least someone, and it's not everyone, but I thought that was a good thing for the university. Right. I'll, I'll be I'll be uh, interested to hear if anyone asked for expanded thoughts on his past experience working with athletics. Yeah, and and, if, and if he has any thoughts on the proposal from the Regents to pull that from his potential position yep. and put that under the uh, the president of the university system. Yep. All right, moving on. Number four. Uh, we haven't talked about Lincoln's Google Data Center project, but yeah. it appears it is. We used is. to talk about this every day when it first happened, yeah. Mark. Well, it's been quietly uh, moving forward, according to uh, an article in the Journal Star. Matt Olberding uh, had a pretty good update on it. So where are we exactly on this thing now? Well, some work actually up there at 56th and I-80. Uh, some public filings suggest additional work likely to happen. They've been doing some groundwork. I think there's part of a building that's already... Uh, uh, up, uh, or at least the beginnings of it are, mm-hmm. are underway. So it's going slow. It's going slow, but, but the, it's still moving while Google has actually backed off on some others. Remember, this was this big secret at the beginning, and nobody would say it, and then everybody started looking it up, and they were subsidiaries well, of Google. Yeah. On and the Google has never uh, publicly acknowledged no. this, but 
But uh, the larger thing was this was an article, and, and this was about how some of these interstate exits, which I've said this for years on the show, but the, some of these interstate uh, exits are actually getting developed for the first time in ways that it feels like it should have happened a long time ago. And I still think that, I think that's a step in the right direction, but I still think, and I know people aren't getting off the interstate to go visit Google necessarily or some of the other places that they've got there. But development breeds more development. If you've got right. people working in the area, you're going to get more reasons, more types of more of the types of places they're going to get people off the interstate and go into your city. It's, it's been woeful for well, a that, long time. You drive down that interstate uh, d- down the side of Lincoln, and you can barely tell. You can see the city in the distance, but there are very few and far between reasons to get off the interstate. Until you get to 27th Street, that's where you really start to see it pick up. You've got more there now than you used to, and that's expanded, and and that's gotten better. And on both sides. But I will tell you, that intersection at 56th and I-80, which, by the way, is undergoing, I think, starting today, uh, a refurbishment. So, uh, boy, that needed. That that was just a bad intersection. I mean, I hated that. Yeah, and there's just, uh, again, imagine passing through Lincoln as compared to passing through you know, Omaha, or even other, not even, I mean, even even other smaller towns along the way, even other places, they're better, they're just, it it feels like we got to have better reasons for people to get off the interstate and spend some money here. Of course, the interstate system was originally designed to bypass cities. Yeah, I know. So (laughs) that was, that made sense then. I I get it, but yeah, we just built a big bypass on highway two. Yep. So yeah. It's, well, that'll de- I feel like that'll develop, though, right? I mean, I feel like... But, yeah. I feel like that will... But why hasn't it happened over... And why is it just happening now? I think those are all interesting questions as well. Number three. Channel 8's got a uh, story up about the lowest precipitation in a year uh, in history, um, I guess. We had the second driest May on record, just over a half inch rain, but... Uh, for the past 12 months, uh, the driest May to June on record. That's crazy. 13.67, almost a full inch less than the previous low, which was in 1937. So, yeah, it it has been the driest year in history. Now, arbitrary endpoints and all that, right? You're, right. you're measuring from June to the end of May, So, but a 12-month period on this. And this was an interesting quote. Um, they had somebody on from NOAA on Channel 8 on this, and the quote was, if this continues for another two to three years, then we'll be seeing the 1930s type of impacts. What do you think that means exactly, Mark? Uh, Does that mean like tumbleweeds rolling around well, the city, I, I or what are we talking about I think here? that's what they're, they're in, uh, hinting at, but... Remember, too, that we've changed a lot of our agricultural practices since the 1930s. We, we now have no-till. Uh, we've got irrigation, uh, these types of things. And unless the aquifer completely dries up, you know, it's, it's just a lot different than it was in the 30s. So much of the science behind it, how rotating yeah. crops even, right. is something that, that could have saved so much of what happened around the Dust Bowl. Something is what... What, what a lot of farmers now will go, oh, yeah, that's that's such a simple thing, and we know that. Yep. It wasn't there 90 years ago, 100 years ago. No, you you plowed everything every year, and, and when you're dry like that, it just blows all over. Now, you leave cover crops or you leave uh, residue, uh, it makes a, a big difference. Good so. time to remind people, on Mondays, like today, we are on the Voluntary Watering Sabbath. 
So, if you're following the voluntary watering restrictions, nobody should be watering today. Part of O Street was wet this morning when I came in. On from uh, on the medians. Yep, part of it, not all of it. Part okay. of it. <sighs> all right. <laughs> Moving on. Number two. Nebraska Examiner reporting a new walkway is going to ease access to a state tourism point. Smith Falls, the highest waterfall in the state. It's an underrated place. You guys been there? You been to Smith Falls? No. You been to Smith Falls, Mark? No, I can't say that it's, I have. It's, uh, I did some work out there back when I worked for the Game and Parks Commission. Not to brag. Used to drive. Used to drive some heavy equipment around for the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. Yeah, but it's a it's a a really I don't know it's beautiful. But now it's just this new walkway looks way better than what they had in the past as well. Um, you got benches. It's kind of like a boardwalk, and there's benches where you can rest and take pictures uh, of that whole thing. So it's 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 it's, it's a state park. It's part of the Game and Parks Commission there and. They got a big trail. They got one and a half mile trail in the park it's as up by well. So, right? yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, man, I haven't floated it's not down. Ne- it's not Rara nearby, since. but it, it's the Niobrara River up there. Yeah. So, so I haven't floated that since I was a uh, since I was a Cub Scout. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, if you're looking for a, if you're looking for not necessarily a staycation, but someplace in, in state to go. If you haven't been before, now would be a good time to go. A staycation. Check out. Yeah, staycation. Uh, to check out there. All right. Moving on. Number one. This is a, was an interesting story. I read this last week, but uh, new DNA evidence has revealed a Nebraska teenager who killed his parents in the 1950s, but then escaped from prison, actually lived out his life in Australia as a successful businessman, devoted husband, doting father. Then after he died, the family learned of his dark past. Leslie Arnold was 16 when he killed his parents over a dispute over the family car. He buried them in their backyard in Omaha and then went to school for a week before they really uncovered it. So he broke out in the state pen of the state pen at that point, right? He right. was in he was he was there for a while, a few years, right? Yeah. Broke out in uh, 1967 breaks out of it and and died right in like 20 2010 or something uh, like that 20 yeah something yeah, like that it, it, in that area uh, but then the dna testing uh, brought in uh, they brought it up and the family found out and i looked at this article too he got mad at his mom because she didn't want him to take his girlfriend in the family's car to the drive-in movie theater yeah and apparently they had had some, you know, it butted heads on this girlfriend at this thing. Got a got a rifle and they did it. Dad walks in, bags of groceries under his arm, two struggled, shoots him as well. And you know, that got the conviction, but he got out and it somehow worked. Probably wouldn't now, I'm guessing, Mark. With the advent of some different technologies that are out there. Yeah, but that's in, that's an incredible story. Actually, went to uh, got to Chicago, settled, got married, um, only ID papers, and all that fascinating article. Wow. You can find the article on Fox News. Sounds like a movie. All right, seven fifty-five. That's it for your morning drive. Brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. When you you're listening to LNK today with Jack and Friends on fourteen hundred and ninety-nine three KLIN. 
759. Just got also a late report from Time Saver Traffic Injury Accident at 70th and Van Dorn. So you may want to avoid that intersection as they're working on uh, treating people and getting things cleaned up there. Uh, all right, coming up during the 8 o'clock hour, Tim Ruse is going to join us. Legislative session is over. What is the aftermath? We'll get into that with Tim. And we got Mike Schaefer from Husker 24-7, who will be joining us to talk uh, all things Nebraska sports. Stick around. That's all coming up. It's 8 o'clock on KLIM Lincoln. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. I start walking your way, you start walking mine. We meet in the middle, meet that old Georgia pine. We gain a lot of ground, cause we both get a little. Ain't no road too long, we meet in the middle. All right, welcome back, Helen K. Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN, Monday morning, June 5th, 2023. And Tim Rusa joins us right now. As he does on Mondays, talk about Nebraska news and politics. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jack. How are you? Good. What is the, uh, what do you think, you know, you are obviously work closely around the legislature. You work with people in the legislature, people who work with the legislature. Uh, what would you say the the feeling is about this session ending broadly? <laughs> well. I'm not, I don't want to put. I don't want to speak for anybody other than myself, except to say that it is a relief to be finally finished. Uh, it was a long year, a lot of late nights. Um, yeah, like an unprecedented number of late night debate sessions where they were there, you know, into the darkness um, in the Capitol, and uh, absolute relief, Jack. It's. <laughs> I've been around the legislature now for eight years. So 2015, I moved back, left private practice in Grand Isle and moved to Lincoln um, and started working around the legislature. So then the 2016 session was my first year around. I don't remember a single year where we've gone past Memorial Day um, since then. And this year was (laughs) nothing like it, man. Late night, it was hot at the Capitol. Uh, The Rotunda is a very warm place to be um, this time of year, too. So very, very glad to be finished. Yeah. What uh, there's been a whole lot of uh, kind of news pieces over the last couple of days that have kind of been like, hey, what do we need to do during the during the interim to get back to, I don't know what, collegiality, or I'm not sure what exactly they're trying to, to get back to. What what do you make of that whole conversation of like trying to aim to get away from whatever was bad during the course of this session? Oh, man. Uh, you can go a lot of different directions in response to that. Here's where I think my head's at right now. Um, the filibuster is generally an important tool for people who are in the minority of major high profile very controversial bills and it's it's something that i think you need to have available to legislators um because here's here's the thing too especially in a unicameral setup where we don't have two houses and we don't have kind of 
as many voices around the table. We got 49 state senators. Um, I think it's important that you, when somebody has a serious, severe, absolute objection to something, they think it's bad, right? Um, I think it's, I think there's value in giving them the ability to kind of mount the opposition in a strong way. What changed this year was, and in the past, the filibuster has always been a tool to try to push, uh, you know, one piece of legislation to a higher standard for passage, right? We go a little bit beyond simple majority rule, and we get to a higher standard of, you know, true almost consensus when you're looking for 33 out of 49 people to agree on what should be. When that starts getting applied to everything, right, um, in an effort to stop something completely different, it kind of flips the standard, flips the situation, the time limit becomes a floor rather than a ceiling. Um, it sort of becomes, it, it makes things kind of not function the way that they're supposed to or the way that you sort of expect them to. That's not necessarily bad. I mean, I, the speaker gave a pretty long speech at the end of the session and Heck, things sort of worked out, to be honest with you, right? I think in total, there were a little, what, 800 and some bills introduced. Um, total individually introduced bills that passed in some form, Jack, 291 of the 800 bills passed this year in, in packages wrapped up into things. I mean, we saw packages of 30-some bills that were passed this year. And I know there's a ton of consternation. You have a lawsuit going on over whether you can tie bills together like that now. Right. But they ultimately got 291 bills across the finish line for some context. And these are numbers from the speaker. In 2019, 322 bills passed. And in 2022, 281 bills are passed. And he picks those two years, and I do, and, and I stick with them too because those are other 90 day right. sessions, right? Right. So. We're not far off what we would have gotten done in a normal year. Most of those are non-controversial bills. Um, only seven of the total bills that passed had fewer than 40 votes in passage. Um, and a lot of them far more than that. Like a lot of them would go to a filibuster, go to cloture, and then you get 48 to zero, 48 to zero to one, 48, 49 to zero votes on final passage. And it's, that's where it can be sort of frustrating. And I use the word frustrating intentionally because it's like, hey, we're passing these bills that everybody likes, but we're spending as much possible time doing it. I'm not sure that's the way the system is supposed to work, but it also can work like that. So that's my long-winded way of saying, Jack, that I think you can have a serious conversation about what the rules should look like and how to tweak them before you tweak any rules or change them. I think you have to really spend some time with a lot of people at the table vetting what the unintended consequences of doing that might be, um, particularly if you if you may or potentially could end up in the minority someday. And I'm, when I say minority and majority, I don't mean Republican versus Democrats. I mean, that could be urban versus rural, you know, agriculture versus business. It could be whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be a break on party lines, but I think it's important to have some conversations and some thought given into it. Um, I think there's an easy fix to some of it, um, and I understand kind of where we were at this year, but the timeline of 8, 4, and 2 was was very difficult um, when it was that stringent through, you know, five, six months of, of the legislature. So if you kind of, if you kind of limit that and the rule on cloture or ending a filibuster is sort of full and fair debate has been completed, if you define full and fair debate, Fair debate as eight hours on general and four hours on select and two hours on final reading. Sorry, I'm getting sort of into the weeds, <laughs> but like, but ultimately, 
what what really could be revisited is how you define full and fair debate, which isn't a rule of the legislature either. That is not in the rule book. That's a that was a rule that was sort of established as as an expectation for the current leadership. And um, my guess is there'll be some long conversations about how and when you call full and fair debate or it being appropriate to invoke cloture. It, it's just, you know, it's crazy because a month ago we heard, at least I heard speculation of people say, well, boy, are they even going to get to the budget? Are they going to have to call a special session for the budget? Are we talking like three more bills passing? And then by the end, you got the numbers that you from the speaker that you just cited. And, and you also have things like a motorcycle helmet repeal, which has been, I, I swear it's been the most ubiquitous issue every legislative session since I started following the legislature <laughs> here in 2006. You can never get anything done. And it was just like I woke up one morning and the motorcycle helmet law was repealed. I was like, what just happened? What, what happened there? It's a real contrast from what I was expecting a month ago. Yeah. Well, uh, lot, yeah. Um, to your, to your first comment, like, yeah, we didn't think anything was going to move. There was a lot of questions about whether anything was going to get passed, and if so, how much. There's always a point in the session, and that's no different whether there's ongoing filibusters or whether whether there's not. But there's always a point in the session where you hit, and I always use the analogy of setting up dominoes, right? So a lot of that's, that's like, kind of my job on the outside, working through legislation. That's a lot of what the senators do in the committee chairs is they set up dominoes so that, hey, you got to get pieces in place so that once a bill is on general and then moving on to select and you're amending it or you're not amending it, it, you eventually, like, push it and they all fall down and we get to the end and we pass a ton of bills, right, in the last couple of days. It's like setting up dominoes in that respect. When we had it this year to where you had fewer dominoes, right, they were just bigger, (laughs) bigger dominoes, but they all still fell over at the end and we passed the same number of bills and we got a lot of things done and, Again, mostly non-controversial stuff happens, and it's, it's no different whether you're filibustering or not. It just depends on the number, right? This year we did, what, 20 or 30 bills as opposed to 120 bills that have a bunch of amendments into them. Um, to the conversation about the helmet repeal, that's also kind of no different than in any other year. You always have, like, some weird surprise that comes out of left field. Um, sometimes it's part of, like, a bigger agreement among senators. Um Sometimes, like, you know, you, you don't see it coming because it's sort of a compromise that is being worked on. And this year was also, and you'll, if you talk to individual senators, you'll hear a lot of the anecdotes, but when you have time during filibusters or you have time that are, where nothing's going on and, or, where you know, it's not necessarily substantive debate, you're talking kind of, you're just talking to kill time, you're hearing recipes on the floor and those sort of things. Senators <laughs> talk, right? Like they're they're under the balconies. They have to be around. They can't be. They have to be in the Capitol in case they get called back for a vote. So like they they work things out. They talk about things. They lobby their colleagues on their priority issues. I'm sure helmets is part of that for Senator Ben Hanson. I'm sure he sat down and had conversations with people. And and the other thing too, like to that setting up dominoes thing, you get it in a place where it needs to be. Like Senator Hanson did. He prioritized the bill. He got it out of committee and. You wait until there's a window of opportunity, and you have the momentum, and you you run the amendment. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And he he did it this year, so um, it's passed, and it'll change. But uh, but I mean, the other the other caveat with all of this, Jack, too, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, is there's a lawsuit on whether you can tie bills yep. together like this. And I think it will be interesting to see what whether that sets any precedent. If it does, or if it doesn't. 
And then if so, kind of whether that has larger implications than just the high-profile, you know, abortion and transgender bill that is currently that, subject to lawsuits. How has this not been something that's been extensively, you know, visited by the judicial branch in the past? I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that there isn't more precedent on it. Because I hear people who know a lot about it talk about the precedent in it. They make it sound like it's pretty unclear, which is a little shocking because I feel like this would come up all the time in the legislature. Unclear, I think, is um, a more confident word than I would use. So there's there are a couple of cases out there. Here's the problem, and this is kind of what we talk about in my world. On, hey, should we be doing this? What happens? What's the risk as we do it? And you hear kind of the legal commentary from the outside. Um, I know there's, you know, Professor Schutz has been quoted in several articles. I know he's tweeted about it from the law colleges. And he's one of the preeminent constitutional scholars probably in the state on the Nebraska Constitution. Yeah. The real question becomes, who's willing to sue over it, right? So, so if I'm going to tie 30 bills together, and every one of those does good things for somebody, right? So I'm giving tax cuts here. I'm giving a business incentive there where we're doing, um, we're cleaning up some banking regulations. Like, unless it hurts somebody, you're not going to want to sue over it, right? Um, unless there's, like, somebody who's negatively impacted. And so you get to this conversation of, hey, Let's build a package of bills, and in this case, the speaker said they have to be there to be no opposition from most of these, or they've got to they've got to find an amendment that works out the opposition. It's got to come out of the committee, all the members of the committee be supporting it, um, unanimous. And so you're trying to find what bills out there are subject to a challenge or likely to get get complained about to the extent that somebody would challenge the constitutionality of the entire package. Um, on top of that, you have very little precedent, like. Do that. Who's going to be hurt by it? I think the last case that I could find or have seen come up this session that really hits on point is in an opinion from like the late 50s on tax reform, where the legislature was undoing property taxes, so a state level property tax in exchange for a state level income and sales tax. And so you had this big package, right? So three different taxes rolled into a big package of expenditure things. And the legislature looked at that and said, look, all of these fall into the general, or sorry, the court looked at that and said these fall into the general subject, the single subject of taxation and taxation policy. And so we're not going to strike down the income and sales tax and the repeal of the property tax. Or we're going to do it all together. So there's some dicta in there, I guess, or at least some comments and quotes from the court about kind of how you, you give the legislature pretty good leeway. You're talking about the revenue committee package or like generally taxation related issues or those sorts of things. I think the legislature said in this instance, hey, as long as they come out of the same committee, as long as there's no opposition, as long as there's a whole bunch of other like standard type things, we'll troll the dice and throw it out there and see what's out, what, what happens. There's also an attorney general opinion from a few years ago, and I'm not sure it's the most instructive either, but it sort of solidifies that whole, hey, as long as they're in the same issue, mm. um, but then you see the, the lawsuit in this instance over abortion and transgender care, and that's the type of bill that you have people alleging they'll be harmed by it. That's the type of thing that draws these sorts of lawsuits. And so we may or may not get some precedent, but you also might get, Jack, a court that says, look, the legislature is a separate branch of government. It operates the way it wants to, so long as they're generally in compliance with their constitutional issues and follow their own rules. And right. So the question will be, hey, is it? A, I don't know. You, you may remember like political question doctrine type yep. stuff, or yep. um, separate and co-equal branches. You know, we're not here to police how they operate. Um, 
Sometimes courts will say, look, the way we police the legislature is through elections. And so people don't like how that was done. They'll get new senators. Um, could go a lot of different ways. <laughs> you just, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're going to find out uh, uh, where, where this court thinks it should be. And, and I got to go, but I, I assume one of the big questions will be whether or not there's an injunction at the beginning of this thing, right? Oh, definitely. And yeah. that's, uh, I think that's kind of what everybody's waiting to see yeah. is how quickly does the district court make its ruling, um, particularly considering where some of the other, you know, I mean, there's, and then it's also what's the next lawsuit, Jack. So this is just a single subject issue in state court. There's like a, an Alabama or Arkansas case. I don't remember what state it is. It's been enjoined from, uh, from being effective. The, the trans similar transgender law since like yeah. 2021 and hasn't been resolved. Interesting. Um, so it's, it's entirely interesting what happens at the district court level over the single subject question. But then, too, there's going to be, you know, at least on the transgender care thing, the argument that, hey, it's unconstitutional in how it violates parental rights and those yeah. sorts of things. And all those questions have been brought up in other states and have at least led to injunctions that last a couple of years. Yeah. Um, there's still no ruling in that case, I don't think. So, <sighs> All right. Well, it'll be a saga. Moving, moving one governmental branch to the other for the focus. So very exciting. Just going <laughs> through for it. now. All right. Hey, thank you for all the insight. Great stuff, Tim. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again here next week. All right. Thanks, Jack. Take care. There you go. Tim Merzen, summer friend. Talking Nebraska news and politics. 826. Take a break. Sports is next on KLIN. Got an opinion on the latest Huskers game? Fire off with a voice message in the free KLIN app. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Hi, greetings. Welcome back on a Monday morning, June 5th, 2023. Glad to have you back with us. Mike Schaefer joins us right now for Nebraska from Nebraska 24-7. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing today? I am doing quite well. Good. Uh, you know got the first official visit weekend out of the way so uh you know that's always it's like the the kind of like kickoff to the the busy season here of june yeah. so we get camps yeah. and satellite camps and all of that fun stuff so, hey um, good, good uh, remember remember when the big controversy was satellite camps doesn't that sound quaint <laughs> yeah well you know before everyone was wringing their hands about nil and transfer portal satellite camps were going to be the death of american college football i just do it i just remember that when you said that i was like hey i remember when we yelled about that all summer yeah no well i mean remember when like friday night lights were like new and it was the biggest thing in the world and then now you know i'm writing things like matt rule's probably gonna find something different to do friday night lights got pretty stale like that's just the the evolution of all of these things, like everything has a shelf life. Everything only uh, really has so much value. And now these satellite camps, I mean, why they're going out there, it's a great opportunity, especially with a staff that really wants to recruit in Houston uh, and recruit in Texas in general, is to, to just be able to see a lot of freshmen and sophomores and build relationships and put names to faces and try to catch some of these guys pretty early on because it's harder to get them to come up to Lincoln to take a camp. Yeah. Uh, so it's easier to go meet them down where they're at. 
Hey, uh, you had a you had a tweet that got a whole lot of traction this weekend, and I know you're going to write about it a little bit later. But I want to give you a, a chance just to maybe um, j- just respond and say some more about it because I'm sure you had a bunch of people who were questioning it or, or, or critical of it or whatever. But but uh, you said, and I'll just read the tweet. You said, I don't want this to come across as hype because it doesn't guarantee anything in terms of on field success or even recruiting success. It's merely an observation. I've never heard recruits talk about a head coach the way I've heard multiple recruits talk about Matt Rule. You can only say so much in 140 characters or whatever it is now. Um, and so if you if you had a chance to expand on that a, a little bit more now that you've had questions and responses to that, what would you what would you say and and what are they saying that you haven't heard before? Yeah, I mean it's just the way that they they talk about him. Um it has a lot it's like tough to to be able to explain it probably verbally without really having written it out. And I knew you were going to ask about it, and I was already <laughs> sort of thinking how I was going to respond to it because, unfortunately, I'm now attached to that tweet for the duration of Matt Rule's career. Uh, despite couching the hell out of it that it means nothing for on the field results or even recruiting results, but what I what I want to get the point across, and I'll have a better opportunity in written form because I can show some of these quotes. Uh, the way they talk about Matt rule is the way that you would talk about a family member. It's the way that you would talk about like a really trusted friend or colleague or whatever. I mean, I, there's a recruit yesterday that as soon as I said, Matt rule, he just cuts me off. He's like, man, I love him. I just love him. You know, and the way they like, he just goes about the way a head coach recruits differently than what we saw from Scott Frost and Mike Riley and Bo Fellini. And so his, his relationship and his attitude towards these recruits is just different. So the way that they're going to talk about him in turn, it doesn't mean that they're going to play better for him or that, you know, any of this, it's just that I think he's able to connect with younger people better than certainly Bo Pelini um, and better than Mike Riley was able to. And I, I suspect better than Scott Frost too. I mean, there was a lot of good quotes about Scott Frost, even, you know, as recently as last summer, but, um, you know, when they when they would talk about these guys, the other three coaches, a lot of it's, oh, he's down to earth. He's, you know, he's nice to talk to. But then you get these other quotes about rule and they're just so much more flowery. And you, you get all of these examples of how he's playing, uh, you know, table tennis and uh, or ping pong, whatever we're supposed to call it, pickleball. Either way. All of these different That's things. Different. And then, like, he's just he's connecting. Um, you know, emotionally, I think, with recruits in a way that we weren't seeing from the other coaches. Now, that doesn't, again, it doesn't guarantee anything. It's just something right. that when I'm, when I'm talking to these visitors, when I'm talking to people that have just spent time around Matt Rule, they gush about him. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just different. Like, the, the quotes that are coming in just sound different. Now, does that mean anything? Obviously remains to be seen, but I think it's a good sign that he, I think, has a probably better emotional handle on his team than any of the last three coaches. And I think it's because he's more of a, I don't know, a connector. I think he's more of a relationship builder. I mean, a lot of quotes from yesterday were about talking about how, you know, his big pitch to these visitors were, he wants to build the family first football program that he did at Baylor and that he did at Temple. And then he's able to show off assistant coaches that he has that played under him that are now coaching under him because they believe so strongly in what he's doing. You know, I think they do a good job of, uh, 
you know, highlighting different players that he's had throughout his career that would vouch for him or have gone on to have success. So it's just, they've really sort of attached, you know, the recruiting of Nebraska to the success of Matt Rule and that success being built in the foundation of this is a football family. It's not a unique recipe. It's just that as he's doing it, it's being received at a better level than okay. maybe if the other previous coaches have done well- uh, I, I, and I empathize with you a little bit because look, you've got you've got expertise in what recruits say about coaches. You've had more conversations than any of us have had. You know how recruits generally respond to coaches, and so your opinion on this is is interesting. But yet, on the same time, there is such a there is such a concern among the fan base that. Things are going to be overly positive. They're they're so snake bit, I guess, by previous previous coaching staffs here, and just not just when it comes to recruiting and and that's what, but the whole thing thinking something's good, and then it turns out to not be good. That that probably explains that the response and the questioning that you get from this whole thing. Well, yeah, and then there's obviously opposing fan bases who have heard plenty of conjecture about Nebraska oh, coaches in the past. Gotcha. And so you know there was a. There's a very angry Missouri fan that was not happy that Daniel Kalen flipped from Missouri to, to Nebraska. And so he was just letting everyone know that, you know, commits in 2024 don't equal wins in 2023. I mean, I, it's shocking the level of expertise coming out of this Missouri, uh, this Missouri fan's mouth being able to explain to us that commitments aren't the same as wins and, and everything else. I mean, I, you always learn something. Yeah. Well. But no, I, I, I get it. Like, I, and that's why. Yeah. Like I said, I tried to couch the hell out of that tweet. Uh, you did. You I did. You were exactly. disclaiming before you even got to the meat of it. Right. And I, I knew how it could be picked up. And, of course, it's just, you know, some people just completely only read the last part of it. Uh, yeah. Skipped over the first well, and then I st- right there to admonish you about it. So. Well, I, I still think it's interesting. And you kind of compared it when you were talking just now about to the other Husker coaches. But if you... Like when you have heard, you, I'm, I'm sure you've heard, you know, you've asked players that Nebraska might be recruiting about visits other places, and they've talked about the coaches there. Like, I don't know when you hear like the most compelling, the most compelling impacts that a coach has had on a player through a rec- recruiting process. Like, what things do you hear? I assume it's similar to the stuff you're hearing about Rule, but I'm, I'm sure you've heard those things at some point, though. Um, when yeah, you've talked I to mean, people about uh, about coaches, it just sort of depends right like you know all of these coaches have their own kind of connections that are going to be unique with different recruits and there's going to be you know like nebraska didn't end up with them but brendan brandon radley hiles and mike riley had a really strong relationship like they, it was it went well beyond what you would get from a normal recruit interesting and it it extended from him randomly ended up hanging out with mike riley's wife for like two hours the first visit he ever made to Nebraska. And so I think he connected with her. And so then that became like a more personal recruitment. So you have those individual instances. Um, but I just feel like you're getting so many more of these kind of like, Oh yeah, we had this big long talk and we didn't even really talk about me as a football player. We wanted to learn more about kind of what makes me tick. And, and then he's letting me know, you know, like these are the things that he thinks. And it just seems like there's more in depth, non-football oriented conversations that have happened on a lot of these visits and it seems to track really well with them now the the thing is like you can really enjoy that conversation but still walk away wondering if nebraska is the right football program for you like that's that's going to happen 
But I also know Nebraska had a great weekend this weekend, even if there hasn't been any public commitments yet. But that doesn't mean those are coming. So hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's always kind of a double-edged sword because when you talk to these guys right after the visit, they're on that visit high. And a lot of times when I catch them, you know, some of the last things you do on an official visit is you meet with the head coach one last time. And so some of it, you know, is also just the timing of when I end up talking to some of these individuals sure. too. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I did see a couple of players saw your tweet and, and, and expounded on it too. Um, yeah. D- Daniel Kalen, he just, I mean, he was, his was short. He just said he's different. Caden Vermas said probably one of the most enjoyable people to be around, uh, brings out a lot of smiles. Any moment you get with him, you won't forget. And he treats you with so much respect. I assume that's the kind of stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I feel there's that, there's that dynamic for anybody that's played any organized, anything, a player and coach, like in that relationship. And there's generally a boundary there. Like, if you think about your favorite coach that you had, it was probably someone that you were just comfortable that you could go up to and talk to whenever you wanted, and they met you on almost a peer level, even though they could have been much older. Like, my favorite baseball coach, we could joke about anything, and he was in his, you know, mid to late 60s. When And so it's just it's that kind of having, I imagine, that sort of relationship. The thing is, if Rule is able to have that, with a lot more people, it's just going to land differently and we're going to hear about it more and yeah. more and more. Yeah. And so I think that's a lot of it is that his, his ability to just connect and his, you know, I don't know, I don't know the terms for it, but his emotional intelligence or his ability to relate and to, to talk through and build relationships so simply allows him, I imagine, to connect a lot easier than Bo Pelini and Scott Frost, who aren't as outgoing or, you know, they're, they're a little bit more closed off. I don't say that as a bad thing. Like everybody has their own personality traits, but we really haven't seen Nebraska with a super gregarious outgoing head coach since when for football. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of it is just simply. Bob Devaney. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Matt, it certainly wasn't Tom Osborne or Frank Solis. Yeah. You know, I don't think it was Bill Callahan. It was Bob Devaney. But I, there was yeah. never any stories about Bill Callahan hamming it up with the media for 45 minutes after he could have left, you know? So right. it's just, uh, I think it's just the personality of Matt Rule. So it's going to lead to these things that are going to feel starkly different. Again, we don't know that it means anything to the win-loss right. total, but it certainly results in, in these types of conversations. And, and, and it goes back a little bit maybe to what I said just after that opening press conference where I was like, it's going to be different having a coach that is – very, very talented as a communicator, right? Yeah. Which it just, and it's no dig on, there's a lot of coaches that aren't talented as a communicator, and Nebraska has happened to have a string of them where they're talented. It doesn't mean they were bad coaches, but they weren't particularly talented. When you hear somebody who's a talented communicator comes to speaking, it's different, right? You know it. It just yeah. it, it wasn't there for, for for some of the others. They were good. At, they did the other things, a lot of other things well. And that's probably being reflected in this whole thing, I'm assuming, too. Absolutely. And it's not like it's just the recruits. I mean, I've talked with some dads and some moms, too, that, that have basically said the same thing, that, you know, they're kind of floored by the ability that he has to give you such a personal one-on-one attention, um, you know, that kind of thing. Like I had a, I had a parent yesterday say that, one of the things that stood out to him and he played in the NFL and he had two sons that are playing in college football at uh, not power five schools, but they did take visits. 
And he just said that one of the things that stood out right away about Nebraska for him was that it didn't feel corporate. Like it felt like it felt inviting huh. and warm, you know, and it wasn't because they, they've been on visits where the whole thing feels kind of cold. And that's sort of what he was expecting. And uh, that wasn't the case for, for this guy. And he's someone that played in the NFL. And it might be he's sort of transposing that where the NFL, I imagine, is a little bit more of a cold yeah. feeling than college football would be. I can but, imagine that's a challenge for colleges to not make it feel that way. Um, yeah, yeah, well, especially because it's really I, – like, I haven't done a great job of this, and maybe it's sometime this summer I can find the right recruit to really reflect with it. It is a car wash that mm-hmm. these guys go through. Like, it, I mean, it's not like – they're not just sitting around the fire pit eating s'mores and just talking about the good old days. Like they're constantly meeting different people because they're doing the full college visit that we all take uh, and sometimes pay attention to. In addition to also getting everything from the football side of it and the life skills and all of it. So there's, you know, their days are jam packed. So to make it feel friendly in addition to informative, like that's, that's a tough line to get. Yeah. A hundred percent. Hey, a couple minutes I've got left. I want to talk about Kese Tominaga, and I think you and I had the first, the, the same sort of reaction on this whole thing. And I don't, you know, I don't know if I think I'll probably be still picked thirteenth, whatever, in the Big Ten, and who knows what kind of leaps and bounds. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. The thing that I do know, though, is that this is going to be this is going to be a different level of fan interest in this team. At least, you know, if everything goes south, maybe this will change. But one player impacting a fan interest uh, level on this team, I think this is going to be unprecedented. I don't know that we've ever seen anything like it. What do you think about that thought? I think you're completely spot on. And if I was gonna, if I was gonna hype anything from this weekend, it would be that I think Casey Tominaga is the single most popular college athlete in the state of Nebraska. I mean, you can take any college, you can take any sport. And a guy that basically wasn't starting until a rash of injuries in the second half of the season took a month of February, basically, and expanded it into being this popular. I mean, people love watching him play. He's super emotional. And it, it's sort of like if you're a Nebraska ball fan like we are, where you have just wallowed in misery for the majority of it, having a player that feels like he can go off for 25 points whenever. And is also as like emotionally into it as you are is such an easy thing to connect to. Yeah. And he, he, you know, he's a plucky underdog story. So obviously yeah. Nebraska fans are going to gravitate towards that. And he, he had, everyone knows he had opportunities to leave. He's choosing to come back yeah. and be a college star. Like yeah. that in itself is a lot of fun in the whole story. And so I, I'm really excited for it. I know the month of February, those games at Pinnacle Bank Arena, that's how it felt in 2017-18. That's how it felt in 2013-14. That building, when it's rocking, is the best atmosphere that that Nebraska can offer for college sports, in my opinion. Um, And, you know, I hope we get to see that. I hope that the team around him, um, you know, can can reflect and the growth that we think we saw from Perrette Hoiberg's group last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, again, it's a collection of new pieces, so you got to figure out which ones are, are going to work and which ones won't. But it does seem like multiple years in the Big Ten, however, maybe more understanding of the style of play that they have to have in order to survive. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the big thing is Tomanagan's got to carry that one big month, and it's got to be one full year. Yep. You know, that's, that's the thing. Like, we're, we're talking about one big month, 
and it needs to be one full year. Yeah. Now, he, he changed the complexion of the team when he plays that way, but they don't have Sam Greisel. They don't have Derek Walker. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, if but he, they have come in August. If he extrapolates that month over an entire year, he's all-conference first team. I mean, at oh, yeah. at worst, probably. <laughs> there's, there's no question. I yeah. mean, he's, he's one of the most dangerous players in the conference if he's doing that for an entire month because he can score from anywhere on the court. Yeah. And that, in alone, you know, really messes up defensive rotations and everything else. And it's harder if you got a guy that can shoot from outside consistently to then throw the zone that just befuddles every other Nebraska team in the last decade. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited. Me too. And like I said, if I was going to hype anything from the weekend, it would be Tominaga coming back. One bad thing is we're just going to have a, that younger generation of kids continue to be inspired to just jacking up terrible threes from everywhere. But that's, you know, so be it. He's not going to hey. discourage them from doing that at all. I so. think that's going to happen either way. As yeah, long as probably. Steph Curry and Trey Young are bombing 40-footers, everybody else true. is going to try to. Too. That's the thing. The, the other part is the average height of all of these guys that have to shoot from so far away is so much less than the average height of a basketball player. Right. So it just... You know, it makes all of us that we're never going to get past six one or six two yep. just feel like you have a chance. There's so many connections. Hey, uh, great insight on a ton of stuff, Mike. Always appreciate your time. We'll check in again next week. All right. Good chat. Have a good week. All right, there you go. It's uh, Mike Schaefer from Nebraska twenty four seven. Take a break. Wrap up the show after this on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, special, special on Dan Parsons tonight, the Dan Parsons Show. You're going to want to be listening to this. He's got a special special announcement about someone involved in the HBO miniseries White House Plumbers is going to join it and a bunch of other TV shows that you know of. And so going to hear more about that tonight on the Dan Parsons show, but a big time guest that he's going to be announcing that is coming up. So you're going to want to listen to that five to six every weekday evening here on KLIN. We'll see you tomorrow. It is nine o'clock on KLIN Lincoln.